age 21 and down as special. and open your Bibles tonight, the book of Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, and we'll get started. Uh, I want to speak tonight on the subject of no excuses, no excuses, and, and how do we prepare for that in our life. Uh, I was uh, looking at some excuse uh, quotes, if you will, and uh, there was uh, one that I wanted to share with you here, and get back here, here we go, making excuses, people spend too much time finding other people to blame, too much energy finding excuses for not being what they're capable of being, and not enough energy putting themselves on the line, growing out of the past, and getting on with their lives. Uh, I thought that, said that was good. And uh, there's another one here. Uh, leadership is about taking responsibility, not making excuses. So, you want to be the, the leader in your home, in your marriage, in your relationship, uh, take responsibility uh, instead of making excuses. George Washington Carver, 99% of failures come from people who have the habit of making excuses. And uh, I like uh, what... Uh, Charles Stanley shared one here, and uh, and then also uh, Benjamin Franklin. I want to share share these uh, real quick. Benjamin Franklin said, "He that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else." Whoo, <laughs> boy, just hit below the belt, why don't you? <laughs> and uh, and then lastly. Uh, Charles Stanley, pastor of First Baptist out in Atlanta, Georgia, 
God's plan for enlarging his kingdom is so simple. One person telling another about the Savior. Yet we're busy and full of excuses. Just remember someone's eternal destiny is at stake. The joy you'll have when you meet that person in heaven will far exceed any discomfort you felt in sharing the gospel. I'm so thankful for the challenge, uh, try to challenge people to get out of their comfort zone. That's, that's my job as your pastor to challenge you in God's word to share and to talk to other people. Uh, it was really neat this morning, the two young people that came and professed Jesus as their Savior. Uh, I ask you to lift them up in prayer, and then immediately after church, uh, of course, Miss Anita was standing there, their mom, and uh, this right after church, or about 30 minutes after church, I led her to the Lord, and she got saved this this afternoon. And, uh, and so pray for them. They are aware. They're, uh, just pray for them. Their uh, situation in life that uh, they can get that going. Then she looked at me and she said, uh, I have no Bible. And I said, I can take care of that. And I went back there. We had to, I just restocked. Miss Harriet got the Bibles that we needed for the three young people. And I got a couple of extra and I gave her a Bible, and uh, she did not have one. Nice, mid-size, large print. Uh, it's called a handy-size edition. And so lift them up in prayer and uh, remember them in prayer. As we look here, as you get ready to deal in life and trying to say, Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? There's all sorts of excuses can creep into our mind and creep into our hearts. It comes from the flesh. Making excuses is some a habit. Making excuses can be a reason that we serve the Lord or we don't serve the Lord. And uh, Moses here, get my, there we go, get that on. Moses here is about to have an encounter with God. It's been 430 years of silence. Imagine that. God's not spoke or said anything for about, just spending on the commentary and adding up all the years, about 430 years since Isaac, Jacob, and of course Joseph really is the last one that God had dealt with. And Joseph, my goodness, what a story. And then, so for a long time, God doesn't speak. Imagine this, God chooses to speak, as Max Lucado said, he said God chose to speak out of a mop bucket. <laughs> Basically an obscure place on the backside of a desert. And God's voice comes out of this backwoods place where nobody's around except for his servant Moses. And as we look here, so I'm, I'm, I want to be used of God. And it says in Exodus 3 verse 1, 
And Moses kept the flock of his father of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire. Man, it's burning, but it's not burning up, is it? And this is crazy. Moses got excited. I don't know about Moses, but guys love gadgets. <laughs> man, if you, gadgets. A man can't have too many six-in-one screwdrivers, pocket knives, or flashlights. Man, you just need them everywhere. <laughs> Every drawer, car, man, got to have one. It's handy. Moses, man, look at this thing. This, this is neat. This is interesting. It gets his attention. Sometimes God can get our attention subtly. And sometimes God can get our attention viciously. Here, this is pretty subtle. I'll take a flashlight any day. <laughs> Nothing like a little glowing embers to get my attention. But notice this. Verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. He said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. He had to introduce himself. And he says, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Moses hid his face and was afraid to look upon God. Yeah, you better be. And we see here in verse 7 and verse 9, well, all, all of these verses, 7 and 9 especially, that God hears our prayer. So before we move any further, and we, before we go any further, making excuses, for, first of all, it's easy to make excuses, but if you want to be used of God, first of all, you have to realize who God is. God is a holy God, and we have to play by His rules, not ours. We have to do things according to His book, not our own ideas. And He says, remove your, your take off your Nike shoes, get, take off your sandals, get, take your Crocs off, and just, hey, listen, the place you're standing is holy ground. Take off your shoes, Moses, and Moses very in his, in his uh, uh, realization that this was the creator of the universe, this is the God of my forefathers, and he was obedient in all counts. Folks, you can never serve God until, first of all, you recognize that he is Lord of your life and that he is God. He is to be listened to. He is to be respected. He is to be revered. He is to be obeyed. And Moses recognized those things. So I realized that. But folks, as soon as you, it's kind of like whenever you came under conviction uh, to be saved. You know, the only way you and I can be saved is you realize that I am a horrible sinner. had that conversation this afternoon, right after services this morning, that I'm just a sinner. Folks, it doesn't matter whether you're, you've been on the backside of the desert or you've been in a palace. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. And Moses basically is realizing 
is how is your relationship with God? Did you know that you can't really serve God until you know where you stand with God? Hello? How can you serve God until you realize how do you stand with God? Are you in a right relationship? In other words, are you in a right relationship? We're getting all things ironed out here. You realize who you are. And you realize who I am. They got all that straight. And they got all that figured out. And of course, he, he's asked them about the name and the excuse about the name. Verse 14 is a very famous verse. God said unto Moses, you need to tell him, I am that I am. And thou shalt say, I am. The, basically meaning this, the self-existent one. I, 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 basically, when he said, I am, I am, and I don't need anybody else. <laughs> God is the self-existent. There are several names for God. The Lord will provide. The Lord, uh, the one who is uh, omniscient, the one who knows everything, the one who is all-powerful, the one who is uh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, as he did with uh, Abraham. I am that I am. Basically saying he is self-existent. He doesn't need anyone. He stands on his own. So that excuse is out the window. You need to know your relationship with God. So let's get down to the real excuses here. Chapter 4 and verse 1. Look at that. No excuses. Stop making excuses. And Moses said... But behold, all that. So basically, chapter 3, he got it. His relationship is settled. Okay, I know where I stand with you, God. You want me to do this job. And I just, but, but, but. Wait a second. Did y'all know? We got a, uh, God has a job for every one of you. Every one of you, I'm going to preach from the back row to the front row tonight. I'm going to come on back here with you. Did you know that God has a job for every one of you? He's not leaving you out. He wants you to serve Him. Now you think, you think that, well, I, I'm just not as talented. I can't play the piano like Miss Barbara. Or I can't sing like Darren. You know, I <laughs> making excuses. <laughs> I'm not as pretty as Jimmy Stale, so I just can't do that. So, you know, I just make excuses all day long. You know, you could you could come up with I I can't I won't, but guess what? You're not the first one to try this with God. Did y'all know that? <laughs> You're not the first one to try to make excuses. Look at here. What does it say? They will not believe me. You can say that about your friends at school, your co-workers. They will not believe me, for they will say the Lord hath not appeared. In other words, we need some proof. He said, what is that in thine hand? He said, a rod. He said, "Put throw it on the ground. He cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. <laughs> I love this. This verse, verse 3, proves, Brother Norman, that Moses has common sense. A big old serpent, he runs. That means Moses had common sense. I remember one of the biggest beatings I ever got with a broom. You think, 
you're, you're, no, I'm not kidding. I, I thought I was a nine-year-old expert on snakes, and I found a garter snake, and I grabbed that thing two feet long, I, or somewhere there about, probably only about 20 inches, but I grabbed it up. I said, man, look at here, pinched it right behind the head. Went in the house with it, mistake number one. Mistake number two, went and found my mom, and it's wrapped around my arm. And I'm like, hey, mom, look what I caught. It wasn't a handle, thank the Lord, but she turned it around and started beating me with those corn bristles. Boom, boom, boys, get out. Don't you drop that thing. <laughs> that was crazy. Number one, catching it. Number two, bringing it in the house. Moses, it says, fled from before. He didn't try to grab that thing but until God told him to. He said, it's going to be okay. Matter of fact, verse 4, he says to pick it up. Imagine he was a little sweaty thinking about that. And then, of course, the sign, verse 6, furthermore, he said, put your hand in your bosom. Put it in your coat. Put it in your jacket here. And he took it out. It was leprous as snow. And he said, put thy hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand back into his, his coat, back up against his skin again, and it turned flesh like the other. And it came to pass, if they will not believe thee nor listen to your voice, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And then he goes on to say about the blood and talking about that. And then, oh, wait a second. He said, okay, I'm going to give you superpowers, superpowers. And so basically everything Moses is coming up with, God is shooting down. He's taking care of it. He's knocking it all out, all these excuses. Folks, this tells me and it ought to tell you that God doesn't need our excuses. He needs our availability. Amen. He doesn't need our excuses. God can see right through our excuses, can't he? There's no reason. Now, there's somebody who's like, well, preacher, preacher, it's not an excuse. It's a reason. Well, because then people say, I don't know what to say. Well, look on. Verse 10. Oh, my Lord. You are Lord, but I'm not eloquent, neither hitheretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Oh, my goodness. Kind of like uh, the other day, <clears throat> I couldn't believe it. I was watching Caleb in, a, in the tournament the other day, and the white boy can jump. Boom, he got up there and he blocked a shot. I said, "Woo, man, look at that. He blocked a shot. Rejection. Get that out of here. Playing up at Drew Central, Monticello. And I say it's something whenever you just get excited over a blocked shot. But you know what? Moses throws up an excuse and God just takes it and what does he do? Boom, get that out of here rejection look at what does he say look at verse 11 who made your mouth who made you who knows everything about your life you see that right there just rejection blocked it get it out of here um don't need it now all of that say this god doesn't need our excuses he needs you 
Just lay yourself on the altar. Give your life to Him. And so many times when we say can't, God says can. When we say won't, God says you're going to. We can pull a Jonah if we want to. <laughs> we could. Head, to, head now to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. <clears throat> yeah, we can pull a Jonah. Woo! Whale college, isn't it, Brother Ed? Whale school. Well, look at here. Verse 26. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren... Now that not many wise men after the flesh and not many noble are called. Basically this, God says, I want the regular country folks. <laughs> I want the regular country folks. Not many wise and not many... And God's not up there. I, before I can use you, you need a PhD. You need to be able to speak three languages and be able to translate the entire Old Testament by yourself. Well, you can ask Trey about that. He's working on that right now. Okay. <laughs> And uh, it says, Master's work, and he's going to be putting it all to uh, work in our new seminary. But no, God doesn't require an education. Sometimes he just calls country fishermen. Did you know that? Country fishermen from Galilee. Sometimes he may use an educated doctor. Paul probably had a doctorate degree. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this book, he's just a real educated guy. Or he could use a sheep herder from the backside of a desert. And his name was Moses. And, of course, there's David. But all of them could make excuses with the best of them. Uh, Paul didn't make that many excuses. He was a little rough around the edges. But he loved the Lord and served the Lord. Made things right with Timothy and John Mark. Verse 27 but God, still in 1 Corinthians 1, 27, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. That just means strong. You're reading it there. And the base things. In other words, ordinary. Ordinary of the world. Things of the world. And the things which are despised. Did you know this? Some of the greatest servants for the Lord can be somebody or something that God, nobody likes. I, mean, I, I, that, I don't think that will ever amount to anything. God will say, I got this, I got this. Hath God chosen, yea, in the things which are not, don't. I heard it, there's an expression. I, I I know when we get this a week from today, a week from tomorrow actually, we get this, you know how many sayings we have? that There's all the sayings that I grew up with in Angelina County are here in Ashley County. <laughs> Every one of them, that ain't no count. Well, you and I know what that means. And God says right there, the things which are not, which means ain't no count in it, ain't no count, not worth anything. To bring to naught the things that are. Now why would God use things?
things that are discounted, things that are, don't amount to a hill of beans. That's the saying. He's going to have to get used to that. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Because why? This church is all about giving God glory. This is not about you and it's not about me. And it's not about excuses or making excuses. There's no excuses when it comes to serving God. No excuses when it comes to praying to God. No excuses when it comes to getting saved. And there's no excuses when it comes to telling others about Jesus. There are no excuses. May we live for the Lord stronger tomorrow than we have yesterday. And to let it begin today. Let it be a choice. Say, God, I don't need to make any more excuses. I just need to, I need you to help me be the kind of servant you want me to be. As we prepare for a hymn of invitation. Father, I just want to bow before you in your presence tonight. Asking you to realize like Moses and like Paul to not, to not have any excuses. To just... Lay it all on the altar. And God, that when we think that we can't, realize it's not our strength. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by Your Spirit, says the Lord, that You can get and will get all of the glory. We ask you to continue to bless our church. We pray for the ones who've made decisions to follow you. Help us to be concerned for everybody. In Jesus' name, amen.